Today, let's jump into Psalm 34 as you're turning there. Hallelujah. Maybe the Holy Spirit is at work. Um, but <laughs> thank you, Lord Jesus. Uh, but as you're turning there um, on the side, I didn't know if I was about to bring my fitted up here because I was getting jokes that no one would recognize me without my fitted on. But I figured I should probably just leave it off for today. But Psalm 34. Mm. Mm. Well, let the word preach itself. Here it goes. Everybody has it? Are we there? I will bless the Lord at all times. In his praise, thank you, Stan. Thank you. I'm excited about this word. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord, and the humble will hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, ha, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's it. <laughs> Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days and that he may see good? Well, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. Yeah. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord himself delivers him out of them. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you, by your spirit, orchestrate the very thing that we need to hear and experience, Lord God. So thank you that you've given us an opportunity to have this word before us. Many in the world would give anything just to have a full Bible in front of their presence. God, I pray that we would grow to know you and love you, the God who this text, your revelation, speaks of. So Lord, speak to our fears today. May we be a people that worship. Oh God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing unto you, my Lord, my God, my Redeemer, my Rock, the one in whom I have life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we're going to talk about tonight, we're going to talk about, or today, we're going to talk about redeemed, the redeemed fear of a redeemed community experiencing our redeeming God. The redeemed fear of a redeemed community experiencing our redeeming God. 
Um, I know at Epiphany we like C words, but we're going to go with R ones for that. Um, so here's the thing. We want to focus on that. And one thing recently that has been getting me over this last year, this concept of fear, the Lord has really brought that to my attention. Um, and it's something that I've had fears here and there through, you know, different life experiences. But recently, um, there's about a year ago, my wife and I started to experience a lot of spiritual warfare at the house. Um, it was in the midst when we, we started to see some, some fruit beginning to, to blossom or, 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 or come forth in our neighborhood. Um, people with depression were coming and asking for prayer, um, coming out of jail and trying to figure this out. And God was just doing some things in our neighborhood. Um, but at the same time, we started experiencing a lot of spiritual warfare um, because in our neighborhood, we have various religions. We have Buddhism. We have ancestral veneration. We have a lot of stuff going on. So in that process, these fears began to come. On top of that, right at 1130 a.m., uh, the row home right next to us got broken into in the middle of the day, um, and we're, my wife and I are home working. And so I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do with this? I mean, one of my natural impressions is like, okay, I'm about, to, I'm about to get my bat, get it ready. I'm about to get something out. But I started thinking, what am I going to do in case something happens to my wife and me and my family? And so fear began to creep in. And I started to wonder, everybody that I ran into, almost everybody around the street was real skeptical. I'm like, okay. I started seeing some of that vibe coming in where a fear began to dominate everyone that I looked at. Like, okay, you're suspect, and that crippled my ability to be engaging in compassion and understanding worship and being intimate with the Lord and learning to engage in mission. Fear crippled. It began to cripple in that. Not only is in our experience, but think about the fears that you have that, in marriage that prevent intimacy and communion. Think about the fears of failures that you might have, the fears about finances in our economy right, with, with the retirement plans. These fears begin to creep in. Uh, fears about living for Jesus on the campus or on the job when there's oppression or when people are saying, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. Fears that creep in there. Um, or even fears that are palpable in the racial tension that is escalated in our media in, in these crazy situations. It's a lot of fears that come up in our midst right now. Um, and so these fears, if they're left untouched by the gospel, they will cripple, cripple us from faithful living unto Christ in community. Fears will cripple us from faithful living. David walked through this. David's situation in 1 Samuel 21, you don't have to turn there, but summarize, David became the anointed king after Saul because Saul disobeyed God. All right, so David is anointed, but he's running. He doesn't want to rush God's time. He wants to wait on God's time. So David is running, okay? He's running from Saul, and he runs into the situation where he flees into uh, Gath, which is basically like, for today, like a capital city of the Philistine territory. Go back before David's running to flee to Gath for fear of his life and trying to remain obedient to the Lord the best he's, he knows how and able. As he's running there, keep in mind that Gath and the Philistines were the ones that David had conquered and been very victorious over in the Israelite army. So you imagine he's going in there and he starts hear, hearing people say, Saul killed his thousands, but David kills his ten thousands. They remember hearing that from the Israelites rejoicing in their celebration. So David takes these words to heart and he grows fearful. He grows fearful. And in the midst of that, you can imagine, let me make it plain, like, okay, say that a San Francisco Giants fan, right after the World Series, walks in with all his black and orange into South Philly. How's he feeling? Think of that and amplify that. I mean, <laughs> he might fear his life, right? 
But think for modern context, David took these words. And he said, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? Okay, so David gets to that point where he's in this. But David, David was able in this psalm, he walks through his experience when experiencing that fear and the fears that he had. And he walks through God's process of delivering him. And then he begins to teach others. It's amazing. So um, verses break this down real quick. One through three is this worship and celebration. We experienced deliverance of fear in our community. So God had us worshiping. We experienced it. So David says, but his process was then in, in four through seven, he processes through his experience of deliverance. And then he goes after that. Now let me teach you the fear of the Lord. And so we want it to the degree he, he, once, once he wants to invite people to experience deliverance from fears because when they do, you will naturally, he calls, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Magnify, if, if I hold up this piece of paper, a magnifying glass doesn't change the nature of the paper. All right, you get that? But when I put it there, the magnifying magnifies it, and I see what it really says and what it really is. So when he says, magnify the Lord with me, your experience will magnify who God really is to the world around us. But the together, magnify us together, here's what it is. That same word is the same Hebrew word in, in uh, Psalm 133.1. How good and sweet it is when brothers dwell together in unity. There's a unitedness, an agreement that God calls us to. Yeah. And so these fears separate us. These fears cause isolation. These fears call me to go in the different directions. So David wants to teach us how do we begin to walk through our fears so that we might magnify the Lord together. Amen. Our first point, we're just having two points today. Um, is that we must recognize our unredeemed fears and their crippling consequences. We gotta recognize our unredeemed fears and their crippling consequences. So what are unredeemed fears? From different passages, this, this is what I, what, at least what I, I come to understand with it. It's living life as if God is not the ultimate authority to whom all must give an account and will not provide out of the abundance of his character. It's living life as if God is not the ultimate authority to whom all must give an account. And it's also believing that he won't provide out of the abundance of his character. <laughs> yeah, Scott and me, that's true for believers and unbelievers. So here's, um, I love how Matthew Henry, he, uh, he brings out two different fears that David had that he's reflecting on in his experience. One is the fear, of, the fear of death is the first one. The second one is the anxiety or uneasiness produced by the fear of it. So it's the fear of death and the anxiety, uneasiness, the disturbed state of fearing that. Um, so it's like this. So the fear of death, what I've seen oftentimes is the fear of death is the root of most fears. So for if you fear death, you do not know the God who delivers, and you seek to find life and peace in many other things. But when those things are taken away, what happens? You start fearing. Because you still have a fear that you're trying to cover and find peace in life, 
to cover up the fear of death because you know you got death's a reality. And so now you need to try to cover it up. So you go to something else other than the deliverer. And when that's taken away, your fear's there again. This goes in every area of life. Here's some examples of people who feared the Lord. 1 Samuel 13, we mentioned Saul, who's the first king of Israel. But here's Saul's issue. Saul disobeyed God because he was afraid that God wouldn't come through and provide. So there's that part, that character of God not being able to provide that way he didn't believe in his timing. Genesis 3.10, Adam hid from God because he was afraid. He didn't know God's character. Adam hid from God. And Thomas hit that very well this morning. Um, Genesis 12 and 20 has this instance where Abraham, that God called this man Abraham to be a light and to start the nation of Israel, um, that God would bring to pass. Uh, but he, what happened in his beginning of his journey in chapter 12 and 20, two times Abraham put his wife in harm's way due to unredeemed fears. Peter when he's in the garden with Jesus, cut off a servant's ear because of unredeemed fears. He wasn't about the mind of God's purpose. Uh, the second, last one was Jesus, uh, or Peter denied also Jesus. He denied Jesus due to unredeemed fears. He feared, the, the, he feared man over God. So there's a sense of these unredeemed fears we see uh, coming on. So here's my question for y'all, for us as a people. What unredeemed fears control your life? What do you run to to seek to find life? And when it's pulled, you can tell by when it's pulled away, you start fearing. So in in addition, so first we need to find out what are these unredeemed fears in my life? Secondly, we need to know that these are crippling. Because some of y'all might be thinking, oh, it's not that bad. I mean, I can kind of do my unredeemed fears and look here and and, and also live for Jesus. Well, let let me show you this. Verse 10 Psalm 34 verse 10 says, unredeemed fears are short-lived and they keep you wanting. Check out, short-lived and they keep you wanting. So 10 says, the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. A lion was the most ferocious animal around, I mean, in, in its territory. People in that area fear, the animals fear the lion. Especially if there's a young lion, this lion has energy, Right? You could, you could think a, a young, strapping lion could catch anything that it wanted to, right, and have its food. But you know what? Even those lions, the strongest ones in that area, still lack in hunger. So you go after that thing, you will always lack in hunger. He also says uh, crippling, uh, unredeemed fears can lead to one's own destruction. Go to verse 16. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. Verse 21, affliction will slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. See, the unre- they, they can lead to your own destruction. I like the way Proverbs puts it where it's a sense of the, the, the fool, the one who's not living in the fear of the Lord or the one who's chasing after and letting fear have its full consequence, that one Basically, by their acts and not doing what God is calling to, in evil, they're setting their own trap. They're going to fall into it. Here's what Spurgeon says about that. He says, their own iniquities shall be their punishment. Hell itself is but evil fully developed, torturing those in whom it dwells. 
So as you continue to live outside of the fear of the Lord and understanding and you stay in unredeemed fears, you will begin to develop a sense, whether it be bitterness, whether it be fears where you isolate and you get further and further away from what God created and called one his children to be in Christ, but humanity in general, you get further and further away and you suffer the consequences of that. The third one, unredeemed fears can lead to the destruction of others as well. So like in Judges, the whole theme is they did what was right in their eyes. There's no fear of God in their eyes. So they continue to do what they wanted to, and it destroyed others. Like on the marriage tip, if I'm living in fear and isolating, right? Or let me, let me put this. If I'm living in fear that God won't provide for my family, then what happens is is that fear, as that fear develops, I chase after, I let that fear have its full effect, and I chase after providence, and in the chasing after providence, I'm going to miss areas that my wife and my daughter need. And so if you chase after, if you let the fear affect you and you chase it, you don't live in the fear of the Lord, but you let a fear define and you run after it, it's going to suffer. Others are going to suffer from it. It's going to lack in an area in our life. So that's the first one is to recognize it and recognize the crippling consequences. Number two, um, we must realize our need for the God who delivers from the fear of man to a proper fear of God. So you recognize the reality of sin. You recognize where fear, if you chase fear, right, and you don't live out in the fear of the Lord, you recognize where it can end up, condemnation, wrath of God, even as a believer, chasing after a fear, right, rather than trusting the Lord, and you end up short-circuiting other areas in your life. So David is teaching us in 4 and 7. 4, he says, the Lord delivered him, right, 7 and 11, he says, now let me teach you the fear of the Lord. Yeah. So he experienced the fear of the, the, the deliverance from all his fears. Now he says, let me teach you the fear of the Lord. So he goes down, he says, um, true deliverance begins with a purpose. How do, how do we begin the transition from fear of man to fear of God? It, it begins with, with our posture. It begins with our posture. So after David, in the midst of his fearful situation, David didn't respond correctly, but somehow in the midst of it, God graced him to have a posture that he says, this is necessary for deliverance. This is necessary for growth. And he says in verse 4, check this, he sought the Lord. Verse 5, he looked to the Lord. Verse 6, he cried to the Lord. And then verse 8, he says, he took refuge in the Lord. Now check this out. I love how the, the psalmists often say that when the, the psalms are full of crying to the Lord. Psalm 130 verse 1 says, uh, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Yeah. When we went through our miscarriages, Pessy was saying, man, the time when the symptoms started to uh, show about it, driving to the hospital, and we're, fe- God, what is going on? This, we're, we might lose this baby. This hurts. This is painful. We're fearful. And God decided by his grace, he met us in that time of crying out to him. It wasn't easy. It was hard. But God met us in crying out to him rather than saying fear. Let fear determine what it is. Because if fear had determined it, we would have never gotten pregnant again. We would have never, and some of us have experienced miscarriages, and it's a painful thing. But our God is the one who delivers, and he causes us, don't live in the fears. Learn about the God who delivers. And so when was the last time you cried to the Lord in the midst of your fears? Whether it be fears from circumstances or the conviction of walking or living as life, 
as, you're the, as if you're the ultimate authority. And that requires that repentance, right? Or there might be the fears of uh, many of you just need to, to cry out to the Lord in a fearful circumstance and not chase after and let the fear define you. Let Jesus define you. Because true deliverance comes from our righteous and our redeeming God. So David experienced deliverances. The deliverance from King Achish of Gath. He's experienced deliverances of all that area. But there's one thing that the psalm points to. David doesn't stop at just physical deliverance. He can't. Because what he's talking about is the idea of condemnation. He's talking about the reality of being under the wrath of God. He is pointing to another one that John 19, 32 through 36 picks up there. I'm going to read that. You don't have to go there. Check this out. So Jesus is being crucified, okay? He has two thieves on either side. Both of those thieves are dead. Well, they're not dead. They're alive, so they have to break their bones so they collapse and suffocate. But here's what happens when they come to Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he had already died, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. Go back to 19 and 20 of Psalm 34. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him, right? None of us are righteous. We've all lived in fear like David, right? But the Lord delivers him. Specifically, we see this one whose bones weren't broken. The Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Jesus is the fulfillment of this psalm that allows us to say, while I live in my fears, the Lord came, and here's what he did. He is the only one who humbled himself to the point of death on a cross, verse 2. Jesus is the only one who truly magnified the Father with his obedience, verse 3. He, Jesus, is the only one who was the man's man and cried in deep dependence upon the Father, verse 4 through 6. He is the only one in whom we lack nothing. He is the only one who kept his tongue from evil, his lips from speaking deceit, verse 13. He is the only one who turned from evil and did nothing but good, verse 14. He is the only one who brings true peace between humanity and the Father. He is the truly righteous one who endured all afflictions of the cross and experienced the ultimate deliverance through resurrection from the dead. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. He is also the one who took our shame upon the cross for the joy set before him that we might share in his radiance. If shame prevents you from being free to open up and have hard conversations from areas where you've been fearful, look to Jesus. He took the shame upon the cross for the joy set before him that we might share in his radiance, verse 5. Jesus is the refuge where we are blessed in the heavenly places with every spiritual blessing and have no lack, Ephesians 1, 3. Jesus is the refuge where we no longer are condemned and under the wrath of God. Jesus fulfills it all. So it's in Jesus where we see the psalmist is calling us to understand a proper fear of God. So he's transferring us. I want you to get this. The fear of man 
David points to Jesus, and David experiences the, the promise of this, and he says, now transition to the fear of God. Here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. He takes it even further in Luke 12, where he says, and I won't go there with time, but he says, um, yeah, this is good. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. He says, don't fear man, because they can only put your body to death. But fear him who can kill your body and send your soul to hell. That's who you fear. But here's where Jesus comes in. Ready? He says, but look at the sparrows. The father knows how many, how much they're sold for. They're, they're, the mo- they're like this. You would never look at those sparrows. But he says, the father knows. And so he says, but you know what? Fear not. Later on in verse 32 of Luke 12, it says, for this is your father's desire to give you the kingdom. Fear not. Jesus shows us that this fear, that when we run to other fears to find life, Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh, that's not going to bring you life. That's not going to deal with your fears. It won't deal with the condemnation that's coming, and it won't deal with your practical fears, even if you're in Christ. So he says, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Life is found in Jesus. And so some of us, we may have this fear. Some of us may not know the Lord, and we might be under God's condemnation because of sin and rebellion. But praise be to God that while we were in that state, Jesus said, you know what? That is going to lead to your destruction. It's going to lead to your family's destruction. It's not going to give you boldness on your college campus to represent Christ. You're going to chase a path that will leave you wanting. Come to me. Because when you know that the fear of death is taken care of and assuaged, 1 John 4, 18 says, there's no condemnation, this, this idea of the uh, uh, perfect love casts out all fear. And that fear is the fear of judgment. If you're in Christ, you find life. Yeah. Run to him because he gives you life in the midst of our fears. Yeah. The implications of this as we wrap up, the implications are huge for this. Think about how, what this would speak to when Jesus says, fear God, yes. You need to fear God, but fear not because I've taken the place that was yours. Think about the implications in your marriage. If your life is in Jesus and your wife gives you feedback or your husband gives you feedback and it might hurt and you, you become defensive, what are you taking your stock in? What are you finding life in outside of Jesus? Because that fear that comes up is the fear that says, oh gosh, what you're taking away my identity. Think about on the college campus. Your professor mocks you because you believe in the living God and the Lord Jesus as the living God. And what are you, are you going to like, are we going to back down? How are we going to represent Christ in such a way? Because here's the thing. When we experience life in Jesus, we will be free to have such an identity in him. That when we have hard conversations, when we deal with hard things that have caused pain, and we fear sharing this with somebody, when we begin to process through that, here's what David says. When he's teaching the fear of the Lord, he teaches, and Jesus fulfills this. Look to him. He's the only one who fulfilled this. Then you'll be able to walk in it. And then he ends, and he says, at the, at the beginning, he starts at the beginning, but it's to bring you back to the beginning where you say, I will bless the Lord. At all times, 
when you experience his deliverance, we will learn to bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth, experiencing the redeeming God day by day by day. And that's when, when his praise is continually in my mouth, my soul all of a sudden doesn't make its boast in my fears. My soul makes its boast in the Lord, the God of all creation in Christ who allows me to worship. And then he says, let the humble hear and be glad. Do the humble see my posture of crying out? The broken, the crushed in our community, the crushed on the campuses. Do they see us as a community broken before the Lord that Pastor E always drills at us? It is a biblical thing because when they see us experience the deliverance of the Lord, they will come. The humble, the broken experience Jesus throughout the scriptures. Do they see our worship and our authenticity? And then if they do, they will be glad. Because that's the God we serve. Then he ends, oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. Let's pray. Father, Father, help us in the name of Jesus. Help us to not be a fearful people, Lord. Help us to be authentic. Help us to know, grow us, grace us, O oh God, to have uh, understanding of your great love for us. Ah, this love, Romans 8 says, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. People can take away stuff from us, Lord, but they can't take away the love that you show us. I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. I need that message in my soul, Lord. Father, I pray that you would be exalted. Help us to deal with our fears. Bless us, God, as we, as we go. We thank you. We love you, Lord God. I pray that those who don't know you would see the serious ramifications of living outside of the fear of you and that to experience life in Jesus. And I pray for those who are wrestling and running to different fears. Lord, I was convicted of this in areas of my heart even last night. When we run to areas of fears, Jesus, as that shepherd, snag us by your grace and your mercy. Bring us back that we as a people at Epiphany Fellowship might bless the Lord together in one accord and walking through the pains of life. We thank you, Lord. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.